Right. Before we get into it, Steve, I would you, can you just sit down for a second? Sit uh, down, please. Okay. Sit down. Okay. I can't see. We're not in person anymore, so I can't see. So I have to trust that you're actually sitting down. Are you sitting down? Yes. Okay. I want to talk to you about your show notes that you sent over. Yes. Yeah. So you send show notes every, every time we record. The night before, you send show notes with like the agenda of what we're going to be talking about. Right. Yeah, I'm aware. Yeah, you're, you're the one who sends it. Oh, no way. Uh, you're, you're doing the whole thing because it's not just us having a conversation. There's other people listening. You have to make aware. Okay, yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, yeah that whole thing. I don't talk. <laughs> I actually talk like this in person with us. I, I, exp- <laughs> I explain everything to the nth degree, just in case someone's listening. But it, it, usually your show notes are immaculate and they're perfect. And looking at last night's show notes that you sent across, it looks like it's going to be a great episode. I can't wait to talk about all the points that you listed there. The one thing I did want to address is the first line of the show notes you sent through is uh, cold open, uh, asterisk, insert quirky Richie gimmick here. (laughs) Is that all I am to you, Stephen Byrne? (laughs) A dancing, performing monkey? Well, you don't dance. Are you going to dance? No, I do dance. It's just an audio medium and you don't see any of my sweet moves. (laughs) I'm... I'm in a constant state of dabbing when we record. What's dabbing? You don't know what dabbing is. Dabbing, you do know what dabbing is. Okay, so you know um, when... Uh, so I accidentally dab a lot, and it's because... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me explain. Let me explain. So you know, um, you know the most hygienic way of sneezing isn't to sneeze into your hands, it's to sneeze into your elbow. No, I didn't know that. You didn't why know did you, why oh did you say it as if everyone in the world is supposed to know that? I thought I thought that was common knowledge. Okay, oh Jesus Christ, I have to take another step back. Okay, okay, yeah, sneezing into your hands isn't very hygienic because then if you like touch a doorknob or shake hands with someone or whatever, you're just kind of spreading around whatever cold you may have. Okay, makes sense. Uh, sneezing into your elbow is far more hygienic because at least then you're not like touching a bunch of things with your elbow. At least a normal person isn't during their day-to-day interactions. You are making so, a lot of assumptions about my life there. I, I am. You're a very elbowy man. Uh, that has always been said. Um, but imagine for a second that you're a normal human being with, with, with normal body parts that do normal things. Impossible. Uh, it, <laughs> okay. Hypothetically, this is just a thought experiment then for you. Uh, but yeah, you're supposed to sneeze into your elbow. Wait, oh, Jesus Christ, this is so ridiculous. Dabbing is where you stick your face into your elbow. Like, just imagine you're... I'm doing it right now because I'm trying to describe what I'm doing. Um, you stick your face into your elbow... And your other hand kind of shoots out behind you. And it's a very, it's a very hip dance that the ki- all the cool kids are doing. Okay, now hang on. Look, go on YouTube and look up dabbing. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'm going to stay back here and wait. How do you spell dabbing? D- uh, oof, that's a good question. I don't know if it's two Bs or one B. Dabbing on them haters is the first result. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Look, look at okay, that. Okay, yeah, I just, I'm just seeing like the images on the videos and that's enough. Okay, yeah. It looks yeah. like people are like, I don't want to look at you. Talk to my hand. Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's okay. kind of like that. Okay. Uh, I don't know where it came from or what even the point of it all is or what the point of any of this is. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah, the whole, yeah, don't distract me. Uh, insert quirky uh, Richie gimmick here. <laughs> Look, it's working, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. I did, I, 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 so the funny thing is I was going to talk about my new microphone and how it looks incredibly phallic until I read that message. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's, that's me playing into exactly what Steve wants me to do. I'm not going to talk about my penis-shaped microphone and now I have to speak into the tip of it because of the pickup pattern of this particular microphone and how it makes me feel a little uncomfortable, but also kind of aroused at the same time. You're not going to talk about that. Won't do it! (laughs) Theme music. (laughs) 
Did you get a beer? No, it's like 10 a.m. I'm drinking coffee. Are you drinking beer? Ah, Steve. <laughs> can you hear the blub blub? I, I, I can hear the sound of the, your future prospects slipping away because you're drinking at 10 in the morning. <laughs> I've also shared on the social media that if people want to join me, all they have to do is start their own podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's, that justifies it. Hi, my name's Stephen. Um, I became an alcoholic when I got into podcasting. Yeah. Hashtag, hashtag family. <laughs> Had a little difficulty with that hashtag there, didn't you? Well, I'm drinking. <laughs> You're at <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Uh, so politics. Yes, news. politics. News. Um, this is where you have to do the one on happening ticker tape noise don't you uh i don't know that's i think i think that's um maybe <laughs> i'm not gonna do it every time it's very it's very hard in my throat <laughs> well you should drink more i should yeah i should go yeah what, what i'm happening steve what i'm happening in this world of ours the UN General Assembly is going on at the moment. So this world of ours is assembling mm-hmm. in the New York at the UN building uh, to have their annual sit down and talk at each other session. Talk at, not with. Is that yes. a, a conscious choice of words? Um, well, there is a lot of talking with in the background, but we don't really hear much about that because the talking at where the leaders stand up in front of the hall and then like give these crazy speeches, that's usually what we hear most about. Mm-hmm. So, of course, the most interesting person to do that is obviously going to be Donald Trump because it's his first time doing that. Uh, part of his campaign. Oh, so he's there. Oh, yeah, he's there. Yeah. While he was campaigning, he used to rip on the UN quite a lot, saying that it was useless, bureaucratic, empty mess. It was like, it was just holding America back. They were paying too much in. But as with most things, he changed his tone when he became president and actually had a couple of nice things to say about it. Right. But then when he got up and gave a speech, it was it was kind of strange. Like, it was, it was just as weird as all the Donald Trump speeches. Um, did you hear that, that he called um, Kim... Rocket Man. Rock. I I heard uh, there was an exchange of words, but I didn't know they were quoting Elton John songs. Yeah, he's like. <laughs> Did Rock- Kim call him a tiny dancer? <laughs> I don't know. Well, he called him a dot a dotard, and people aren't really sure what it means. Maybe that's what it means. A, a dotard. It's also yeah. That's what Elton was singing about in Tiny Dancer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A dotard. I haven't heard that in a long time. That's like something my granny would have would have called me. Oh, you know what, actually, because a lot of the articles online on, like, the New York Times and the BBC was like, what is a daughtered? Yeah, what am daughtered, Steve? I actually don't know. I didn't know uh, that one. That's that's not, maybe that's, that's, ne- that's for next our next episode. Okay. Um, so, well, apparently Donald Trump is a daughtered. Oh, there we go. That's and a short episode. So Trump used his speech as an opportunity to tell North Korea that if they attacked first, that America would destroy them. Right. Which actually, and then, so like the partisan people who hate Trump were like freaking out going, you can't stand up in the United Nations and tell countries you're going to destroy them. And like, oh, he's, he's changing American foreign policy on a whim and just making it up. But actually, in fairness, I'm pretty sure that no matter what American president was in charge, but if, if any country were to attack the United States, the response is going to be destruction anyway. Yeah. That's not exactly uh, new. That's he a was given. Just, he was just telling them, like, remember, by the way, I, like we, we do have all these bombs and stuff and we will kill you if you try to attack us. I'm carrying one right now, he said. <laughs> that wasn't me. <laughs> Are you stop narrating your life again, Richie? What kind of coffee did you have, by the way? Is Richie like- picked up his coffee glass and stared at it inquisitively. Coffee glass? Uh, it's a nice coffee. Iced coffee? Mm-hmm. At home? Coffee, yeah. I went out for a run and I got a nice coffee on my way home. Oh, okay. Okay, that's mm-hmm. that's only half bad. I was I was thinking that like you had your own tools to create iced coffees in your house. and No. Re- 
Okay. Well, just coffee and ice are the tools that you need for that particular recipe. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Slow whoa. down. Slow Where down. am I supposed to get ice? Slow down there, city boy. <laughs> <laughs> We're having very different mornings. That's one, of, that's, that's one of the best jokes in The Simpsons, actually. Uh, yeah, Simpsons reference people, get ready for it. Yeah. Um, where there's like a huge big sequence of these guys going to the Arctic and like coming back and then they all they're doing is delivering ice to the quickie yeah, mark. Quickie mark. Yeah. It's like, you have to stop getting us to go up and get ice. Uh, we lost five men on this mission. If you know a better way to get ice, I want to hear it. Oh, he's got a point. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and actually, that actually confounded me for so long because like humans have been taking ice into the cities for quite a long time, like probably yeah. since the Roman times. And I always wonder, where the fuck did they get the ice? That was actually what they used to do. They used to go to somewhere where there was ice, cut off a big chunk of it and try and get it back in time to the hot places before it melted. They're just delivering to whatever emperor or Caesar is in power, just like a, a glass of lukewarm water. <laughs> yeah, I can always swear. It used to be frozen it snow. It used to be. I don't know what magic <laughs> happened, but it used to be a solid. Um, uh, so speaking of emperors, uh, Donald yes. Trump also used his America first um, rhetoric thingy, but he tried to twist it by saying that, okay, America will be first and I'll always think of America first. and mm-hmm. all, But all you other countries, you're going to think of yourselves first too. So if we all think of each other first, then together we can be better. Oh, so everyone is just constantly jostling for number one. Yeah, and then by that way, it'll mean that people will eventually be the best number twos. Right. Or something like that. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Um, Robert Mugabe, the leader of Zimbabwe, the aged dictator who's been fucking things up there for quite a while, he turned up and gave a speech and he, yesterday I think, so Donald Trump would have given his speech. Oh yeah, we should probably say that we're recording this on Saturday morning, so yes. if anything wild, if like if the nuclear war does actually break out on a Sunday, then we'll have missed it. But I guess when you're listening to it on Tuesday, you probably won't really care by then. But anyway, just in case. So Donald Trump wasn't the only asshole causing trouble over there. Uh, India and Pakistan used the um, the the World Organization of Peace and and and, and Harmony to have a, a shouting match at each other. The Prime Minister of Pakistan accused India of war crimes in the disputed Kashmir region and said that they were exporting terror to Pakistan. And then Pakistan, uh, India just turned around and said, "Yeah, well, you shouldn't be called Pakistan. You should be called Terrorstan." What he said that's verbatim what he said. That's, well, I don't know. It was it was an Indian representative. I don't actually think it was the Prime Minister of India. Yeah. But it Did was, he turn around and high five anyone? <laughs> Probably. His entourage are like, yeah, yeah, got him. You tell him. <laughs> Light him up, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So, well, at least they're not lighting each other up with nukes again, because again, these are no more countries with nuclear weapons that could potentially be throwing them at each other. Yeah. When what? I say light him up, motherfucker, I mean like with, with, with terrible slags. Oh, yeah. No, you explained getting lit before, so I get yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I explain lit. I explain dabbing, and uh, I also explain what a taint is. Yeah, this is this really is a perfectly equal sharing of information. I learn just as much from you as you do from me. Absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking of actually uh, on a tangent, one of many tangents I'm sure we'll have. Uh, I was thinking of doing up a chart, like a scoreboard of things you've taught me. And on the left hand side, it's like, hey, the difference between left and right ideologies, and ha- what the difference between a congressman and a senator is, and what voting means, like what proportional representation is, all these very detailed things of what uh, you thought me. And then on the right hand side is what I thought you. And it's like, uh, it just says what a taint is. <laughs> and I think that would be like probably podcast artwork at some point. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you basically are my personal BuzzFeed. Oh, don't say that. I'm more so Urban Dictionary. I hate BuzzFeed. 
Yeah, I don't I don't look at BuzzFeed, so that's why I said it, because I presume that that's what it what mostly is, just taints and dabbing everywhere. <laughs> it's like, i got to go on BuzzFeed now. Tappity tap, tap, tap. Yeah, number one article, how to dab your taint. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that sounds like a different thing. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, well, speaking of uh, BuzzFeed is trendy and cool and for the kids. And speaking mm-hmm. of which, the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, um, yeah. he made a speech. And luckily, because he doesn't have a small man syndrome, he didn't need to try and um, threaten anybody with ultimate destruction. He went the other way and actually uh, took the opportunity to apologize on behalf of Canada to their indigenous people, saying that, yeah, over the last couple of centuries when we came and colonized your lands and fucked everything up, we're sorry. Um, we shouldn't have done that. We're uh, so, sorry. So we're, we're gonna tr- we're gonna try our best to you know try and make your lives a little bit better now. Um, and that, everyone was like, yeah, yeah that's kind of nice, yeah, I suppose. Um, but then the big thing about him was that he was photographed at a meeting wearing Chewbacca socks. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah, <laughs> that's excellent. Uh, other news: Australia is having a referendum on equal marriage, just like mm-hmm. Ireland did. So Australia, we're like, oh yeah, they look like they're having fun with that. Let's go ahead and do our own. Except they're not doing it as straight. So what we did was we had like a proper referendum vote where everyone went to ballot papers and like said yes or no as to whether they want to have equal marriage. And then Mm -hmm. we added it up and then whatever was the result, everyone accepted was going to be law. Mm -hmm. In Australia, they couldn't, they, they first, they were trying to pass it in the parliament to have that kind of a referendum, but the Senate kept on knocking it back. And it was actually, it's confusing because you would think when you hear that, you think, oh, that's that must be the conservatives and they're like oh we're going to we're going to knock it back because we don't want to have it it actually wasn't it was the the people on the left were like we don't need to have a referendum or a plebiscite or anything like that we can just pass the vote right now there's nothing stopping us right so instead the the conservative government have decided to have a non-binding postal plebiscite what <laughs> plebiscite Pleb- well plebiscite is another word for a referendum that comes from in the old roman days um you had the like the posh people and you had the plebs and the plebs were yeah. like the, the general population so whenever they wanted to like open things up and ask everyone they would have what was called a plebiscite where they would Jesus, ask plebiscite just sounds like killing a bunch of uncultured people <laughs> um well hopefully that's not what they're going to do it is australia I hope so then um, someone look into it yeah, well, not me anyway. I, I didn't look that up beforehand. Yeah, so I'm busy. What they did instead is that they're going to have, as I said, I'm going to try and say it again because I, I don't know if I could, but I'll try. A non-binding postal plebiscite. Yeah, got it again. Nice. So basically nice. everyone has until start of November to um, sign, to like vote and then send it back to the government. But it's not going to be the electoral commission that's going to count the votes. It's going to be a different agency. And the result is not going to be... Binding, so right. basically, people could vote to to either take equal marriage or reject it, and then the politicians don't have to listen to what they say and could choose to either ignore it or have or vote a different way. Isn't that wasn't that a similar setup? Remember when when the Brexit vote was happening, the the government didn't have to execute based Te- off the referendum. Well, that's so a, diff- a similar thing. Kind no, that's a bit different. So Australia actually has a written constitution which has like um, set out laws that says this, this, and this. So they do have the options to have binding referendums, like Ireland does. Yeah, but the UK doesn't have a written constitution. So the thing about the UK is that while that they have like a, a traditional constitution, and in their tradition, the 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 final say on everything is the Parliament. So right. if the people were to have a referendum in the UK. 
that's all well and good. But ultimately, the final deciders are the parliament in in Australia and Ireland. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure about Australia because it is the same way here in Ireland. The mm-hmm. ultimate, the people with the ultimate say are the people. Right, right. So if the people vote on something and it's been decided that it's a binding thing, then that has to be a binding thing. It can't be overturned by Parliament, whereas in the UK they don't have that. So that was what the, the arguments were. It's like some people were like, well, our rules say we don't necessarily have to listen to that. Obviously, that wasn't really an option because if they did do that, it would like just totally piss off everybody even the people mm-hmm. that didn't vote for it, because then what, what, what would have been the point in the first place? Yeah. So that's what Australia are doing. They're having one of these pointless feckin' votes um, just to, like, political manoeuvring. And, like, it's it's wasting a fuck ton of money, let alone the fact that it's wasting time and not giving people the equality that they deserve. Yeah. Um, it's costing 122 Australian dollar dues, <laughs> which works out at about 74 million pounds in mm-hmm. Queen's money. Mm-hmm. And uh, What's that in yen? I don't know. Fuck's sake. Sorry, I have a, I, it's 96 million American dollars. <laughs> I don't have That's the pretty end. good. Um, What's but then, that in rupees from the Legend of Zelda games? Rupees? Yeah. They use rupees? They use rupees in Legend of Zelda, yeah. Isn't that like the Indian currency? Uh, yeah, it's also the Hyrule currency. Okay. Um, or what's that in Glimmer? Because I've been playing a lot of Destiny 2. Glimmer? Yeah. Destiny I've been two. using I, look, Steve. I've been playing so much Destiny two recently. I've been using Glimmer more than I've been using Pounds. Which one's Destiny? Is that the the shooty game that's on the PlayStation? It's, it's a shooty up. I'll, I'll talk about it more later and what I'm keeping us sane. Okay. Um, I don't know if it is keeping you sane though, because you're mixing the real world with your video game. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll go on to that later. Um, so the the referendum is getting pretty tense over there. Uh, it's a pretty contentious issue because there are quite a lot of conservative evangelical kind of people in in Australia, yeah. kind of like the states, and then there are a lot of um, liberal, equal minded kind of people, and mm-hmm. they're clashing over this issue. Um, they have a former um, Australia tends to go through prime ministers pretty quickly. They tend to have a new one every couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they would tend to like change their prime minister three times between elections just because of different like political like scandals or not even it's just like they just kind of backstab each other all the time right it's like again the simpsons are always because they're a big nation of thieves they just kind of crawl around the place all the time stabbing each other um <laughs> you can't just say simpsons and then say something racist <laughs> <laughs> it'd be okay can't i i didn't do a poo's accent and i did that consciously by the way i actually I actually not noted that yeah <laughs> it was like oh this is gonna be this is gonna be dangerous <laughs> just either making a documentary about how po- problematic a poo is and like representation of Indians and American media in general. I didn't see that, but I can fully believe it because people make documentaries about everything these days. Yeah, but it actually looks pretty good. But anyway, that's that's a different thing. Yeah, no, I understand that. Actually, the the show Masters of None. I can't remember if we talked about it or not. But yeah, that, we we did before. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's made that's made by like a he's an Indian American, and uh, he he had a really good episode about like Indians representation in the media and stuff. Yeah, you're either like a, a corner store owner or a cab driver. Um, yeah, and not when just you're that. looking at the casting calls, like when yeah. you're living in New York or LA, and the casting calls for people of like Indian descent, or um, that's just all it is, really. <laughs> yeah. So moving on from that, Australians yeah, are basically—they're literally kicking the shit out of each other over this referendum. So the former uh, prime minister Tony Abbott, who's a conservative, who's campaigning strongly um, to not have equal marriage, he mm. got headbutted by a 38-year-old guy. <laughs> Nice. Who was arrested? Sounds on, very Australian. Yeah, it is. He was arrested on the spot, and uh, apparently he was interviewed afterwards. And it was like, "Oh, so did you headbutt him because of the referendum?" And the guy was like, "Nah, I'm an anarchist. And when else will I have the chance to headbutt Mr. Ebbett?" <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was an opportunity I'd get again. He said. <laughs> 
And you know what? Actually, this this leads to a mini tangent. So I was in London a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was a Monday night. And London, like town downtown, is pretty quiet on a Monday night. And mm-hmm. uh, we were me myself and the missus met up with a friend of hers, and she was like, "Oh, we can go to this casino bar just to have a drink before we decide where to go." We're like, yeah, "Okay, fair enough." And it's like a casino in Leicester Square, which is I don't I don't like casinos. They're always fucking uncomfortable and weird. Yeah, they're, they're but, not fun. We were in like a little quiet sidebar and there was these American guys in there asking the waitress to put the TV onto American football. And for some reason, I was reading a book about Steve Bannon and I just had him in my head. I was convinced Mm -hmm. that the guy who was talking to the waitress was Steve Bannon, (gasps) the recently recently fired um, neo-Nazi from the White House. It wasn't, luckily, because... As uh-huh. I was watching him, probably seven, um, pretty drunk, I, 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 had, I had convinced myself that I was going to get up and punch him in the head. <laughs> you were slowly, slowly convincing yourself. Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> thankfully, I was like, oh, no, wait, no, no, no. This guy's about in his mid-40s and Steve Bannon's in his 60s. This isn't yeah. the same guy. Luckily for that guy, otherwise I would have punched a poor stranger in the head. But then, like, I decided. I was like, no, it's okay. Like, I mean, I know I'm going to get arrested and charged for assault, and it, but it'll be totally worth it because how many other times are you going to get to punch a Nazi in the head? I mean, it would do wonders for the podcast i'll tell you that much i'm not gonna lie i did think about that as well (laughs) (laughs) you you punch him in the head and and just shout out hashtag what i'm politics so then i'm being interviewed afterwards so did you punch him because he's a nazi and he brought the alt-right into the white house no i just you know when else was i going to get the opportunity to punch him in the head (laughs) um so the former prime minister kevin rudd who's a different former prime minister he actually uh his godson got punched in the head by someone else when they were having an argument about the referendum so so the Australians, Christ, they're, they're, everyone's punching everyone. They're they're taking this debate pretty seriously with their Christ, fists. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, that's not how most um, political debates are settled. There, it just seems to be this one is pretty contentious. Yeah, yeah. So there's a real election going on, one that is going to be binding in Germany, and um, they're mm-hmm. having their federal parliamentary elections for the Bundestag. Um, it looks like that Angela Merkel is going to win again. She's going to get her fourth term, which I think mm-hmm. is a record in German history. Mm-hmm. Um, There's no limitations on the amount of successive terms someone can have? No, no, they have a parliamentary system like uh, Ireland and the UK. So, Sweet. so you just keep getting voted in, you're yep. good? Keep on getting voted in and then whichever has the, whichever party has the largest number of seats, they get to choose the chancellor. It's confusing because in Germany, the chancellor is the prime minister, but in the UK, the prime minister is the prime minister and the chancellor is the head of the Department of Finance. Right. But in Germany, when you say chancellor, you mean the prime minister, which is confusing. I, I just realized yeah. that this morning. I was like, why do they use the same name for different things? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I wonder which one is correct either as well. I, I forgot to look that up. Probably the Germans. I don't know. I feel like they're pretty on point with, with stuff. Yeah, but they've been only doing the democracy thing pretty recently. Ah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> relatively Why, what, what re- relatively what recently. Before I'm not going to mention that. <laughs> I want to do a German episode without without mentioning the thing that happened before, but we'll do that in the future. Yeah. Um. So back in the spring... Um, so this election has been scheduled and people have known it's been coming up. Obviously, it, it wasn't a surprise one like the ones that have been going on in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were, were thinking that. So at the moment, Angela Merkel is in a grand coalition with the second biggest party. Who she, She's like the centre right and she's been in a coalition with the centre left party, the SPD. And the leader mm-hmm. of that party was actually doing really, really well back in, in, in um, spring. And people were like, oh, my God, maybe Merkel is actually going to get knocked off her pedestal and the SPD could come back up and their leader, Martin Schultz, could be the, the chancellor because he was getting about 30% back in the spring but um, oh, now yeah. it's gone down to 21% because he just the fire wasn't there people are kind of just sticking with what they know apparently right, right which is good because 
Um, Germany have had problems recently with uh, far right um, parties getting pretty strong. And one of them in particular is called the Alternative for Germany, the AFD. Mm. They're, they'd be like the closest thing to the like the National Front in France or UKIP in the UK or, you know, Steve Bannon and his his, his neo-Nazi alt-right people. And uh, they're, they're getting at about uh, 11% at the moment in the polls, which is pretty significant. Um, yeah, for a movement of that nature. Yeah, but luckily it's they're really strong in certain areas and not strong at all in others. So whereas like they're, they're probably not going to get 10% of the seats when it comes to actually counting the votes. Right. Um, but that's confusing because Germany actually have a different system to what, what most countries have, they have um, a mixed member proportional representation system. So right. What's elect- that mean? Electoral systems either tend to be simple but unfair or fair but complicated. And <laughs> Germany's falls into the second one. So when you say that, like simple but unfair would be the US and the UK yeah. where it's, it's first, first past, past the post. post. Yeah. So someone could get 30% of the vote, but as long as they have more than everyone else, they get elected. Mm-hmm. And that happens quite a lot all across the country. Same as the, well, not the same as the US because they have the two-party system, but still. Um, Germany have, they have, uh, so they have proportional representation like we do for single mm-hmm. seat constituencies. So you're you're voting on an individual who will get elected. Yeah. But then you also have to vote for your favorite party on a second ballot. And then half the seats are given to whichever parties get the most. Right. And the parties the parties have lists of who they want to put in. So Oh, is this to just stop like one individual dictating the outcome for a whole party? Like it's if if you are happy to vote for like the ideology of the party as a whole, but you have problems with one or two individuals, this is just to get around that. To a certain extent, but you do you are still voting for the person who's going to lead your area. Right. But you're also going to vote for the party. So you could vote for let's say the Ang- Angela Merkel's um, um, representative in, in your area, but then you could also go, actually, I want to vote for the, the left-wing guy for the general thing. Right. It's, it's, I think it's, it's to try and, it's to try and make it fairer so that more, so that smaller parties have more representation when it actually comes to having seats in parliament. Scotland actually used the same system for their uh, Holyrood, their parliamentary elections too. And it, it results in having like a couple of like little smaller parties that would have a much harder time getting in if they didn't have it. Right. Um, but they also have restrictions as to the small parties getting in. So you have to get, I think, at least four seats directly or 5% of the vote or else you don't get any seats. And that's to try and stop super crazy little parties from getting in because they don't want them. Okay. It's pretty confusing. Um. So the the most likely result of this election is going to be either another grand coalition where Angela Merkel gets re-elected with the left-wing party. Um, people are kind of afraid about that happening because if that happens, the the that far-right party, the AFD, they might end up with being the third biggest party. And if they are the third biggest party and the other two go into government, that makes them the official opposition, uh-huh. which, which gives them a lot of um, kind of constitutional power that they don't that they like it's written into the into the German rules so they would get like they'd be the head of the budget committee they would get like the first chance to speak in parliament in opposition to the government it would give them a lot more standing and clout than they have now which wouldn't be good oh that's really interesting the Isn't fact it? that yeah that's really interesting that's so, a very interesting dynamic so it's possible that rather than redo the same um government that they've done again just to stop them from being the second biggest party the third biggest party 
and therefore the opposition they might the, the second biggest party might actually refuse to go into government this time and then Angela wow. Merkel is going to have to build like a rainbow coalition with a couple of smaller parties to try and get the government and the most li- the second most likely um, coalition is called the Jamaica Coalition because of <laughs> because of the colours of the parties that will be involved it's the uh, Angela Merkel's party they're the Christian Democrats their, their colour is black mm-hmm. and then there is the Greens whose colour is green and the I think they're the um, what are they called the Liberals or something like that or the, the Free Democrats there is yellow is yellow the other colour of Jamaica I think it is yeah yeah there's a red no it's yellow shit it could be red anyway you know it is yellow it is definitely yellow yeah it's okay. red red no shit <laughs> black green and yellow google that's, what, that's why they call it the jamaica coalition i can't actually google because you've made me put pillows over all of my machines <laughs> uh yeah it's black uh, green and yellow okay so <laughs> sorry about all the pillows by the way <laughs> I actually, it's, just, it's just really good for the acoustics. You told me to put a towel down as well, and I just I couldn't do that because then I would have no room to put anything. Oh, uh, okay. Well, you can put the towel in and then put stuff on top of the towel if I, you want. I'd be putting a glass on on top of a towel, and then it would fall over, and then everything would get wet, and I just yeah, I didn't yeah, have time it. to think about it properly. I'll plan it better for next time when I have a better mic. <laughs> Don't worry okay. about it. So it looks like Germany are actually going to go back and re-elect the same thing again. It's going to be, um, people are kind of going, ah, things are kind of fine the way they are. And a lot of the analysts are looking at Germany because all the other countries in the world seem to be going schizo and electing total crazy results, whereas Germany just seemed to be like staying level. And mm-hmm. the kind, some people are, are saying that, oh, it's because historically moderation wasn't Germany's thing. But because they went too far with non-moderation, they're kind of like, yeah, no, um, yeah, we're we're kind of okay with that. We're kind of okay with things being boring. Yeah, they've seen the worst of it, and they're happy to not go back there. Yeah, again, not mentioning it because we can't. not mentioning it, not mentioning it. Uh, I do really like the idea of us doing a German-specific episode again, where we don't talk about World War Two or anything like that. We just talk about Germany from a political standpoint because. It sounds super fucking interesting. Yeah, we'll give it a go. Like that dynamic you just described there. I'm, I'm, I'm after this. After this, we finish recording. I'm going to go read up on that because that sounds really <laughs> interesting. Like it genuinely does. It genuinely intrigues me. It is. It is. And I mean, like, um, not we haven't even talked about where they position themselves in terms of being the dominant power in Europe as well. Yeah. And like, whereas most countries in the EU don't really talk about the EU in their national elections because ultimately it doesn't really matter. The EU is going to be its own thing anyway. Yeah. Germany are basically the rulers of the EU, so it is a big issue in their election because the people who they elect are going to be the ones who are going to be basically making up the rules for the EU. Mm-hmm. But we're not, we don't have time to talk about that. So no, no, no. we'll move on to a different EU subject. And uh, the Prime Minister of the UK, Theresa May, gave a big speech in, in Florence, in Italy yesterday, um, about Brexit. Yeah. So the Brexit negotiations have been going on since March and the, the, the feedback coming from them, I think they've had like four or five sessions. It hasn't been good. Um, they're, they're, they keep on hitting a wall and they, they're basically at a standstill. Theresa May thought that if she turned up to Florence and gave a big fancy speech that she might be able to kickstart them again. Right. And so some of the highlights from what she said is that she didn't specific. So one of the big holding up points is that the EU wants some money because the UK made commitments to spending money in the EU that they're now just basically throwing away and saying, no, 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 we're not going to do that. Whereas the rest of the EU countries are like, well, fuck you. If you do that, we're going to have to put in the rest of the money. So yeah. before you leave, you're going to have to have like a divorce bill. You're going to have to pay for the things that you said you were going to pay for. Mm-hmm. And that that's a big that's a big contentious issue politically in the UK. And the people who voted for Brexit are like, fuck that. We are not putting money into something that we're leaving. So Theresa May 
she she didn't specifically say that they would pay money, but she did say that they were honor the financial commitments that the UK have made, which people are saying adds up to 20 billion. And that's the amount of money that the UK still is due to pay into the EU budget that was already decided, which I think lasts for another couple of years, which is something. So she's actually yeah. essentially said there's some money on the table there. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's that's something for the guys, the negotiators to go in and like hash over. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that the EU workers will have rights during the transitionary period to stay and work and live. Right. Which is, again, something that she hadn't actually mentioned in them before that. Yeah. And she says that we're going to have a new security arrangement. Like, um, I'm not actually sure what that means because there isn't really a very effective security arrangement between the EU because NATO and like a second organization, they take care of all the fight of, of all the security and military stuff. So there hasn't ever been a need for the EU to step into that gap. But she's kind of still hinting that, oh, we still have all the aircraft carriers. Actually, they don't have any aircraft carriers. We still have all the planes and submarines and bombs mm-hmm. and stuff. So we'll still cover you on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, not really still too much that was said. So one of the best ways to to guess as to how well people receive, or not people, but the markets, which is one of the most important things for countries these days, as we talked about last time with austerity, yeah. Um, is to look at how the euro does against the pound. So slowly but surely, the pound has been getting weaker and weaker because the markets are getting more and more uncertain about how the, the economy is going to be in the UK. And I actually bought a whole load of books off Amazon and pounds before the speech because I thought she was going to do a good job and the pound would get stronger. <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> the markets uh, uh, didn't like her speech that much and it went the other way. It, it dropped a couple of pence against the euro. Man, what books did you order? Uh, it was actually like a whole load of ones that I, um, I've been wanting to buy. What was it? Uh, I'd love if they were like books on like sound financial planning and stuff. <laughs> no, not at all. It was like a couple of fantasy epics and a couple of like historical biographies. You know, the fun stuff. They're very, they're very Steve books. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so some, some people were like, oh yeah, that's kind of constructive. Like the speech was okay, but it doesn't really, it didn't really like, again, Theresa May just flubbed it. She said she was going to do something big. She didn't. And people Mm -hmm. are like, okay, that was kind of like, we have something to go back into the negotiation table with, but you didn't really make any big grand concessions. So it's still, it's still not clear as to what kind of a result we're going to have after these negotiations, if there even will be a result. Because internally, some of her, some of her ministers are starting to properly backstab her or frontstab her as Boris Johnson (laughs) did by writing an article, um, saying that her negotiation tactics were bad um, because it looks like they may want to try and take it off. And I wouldn't be surprised if one of these ministers like Boris Johnson or somebody actually are willing to take the UK out of the EU without a deal just so they become the prime minister of the ashes afterwards. (laughs) They're just sitting on top of a mountain of ashes. Pretty much. With a shitty Burger King crown that they found in the rubble. (laughs) Because they can't get a new one because Burger King pulled out of the UK because of trade instability. Um, (laughs) So my best, my best, um, my favourite um, analysis of it was the BBC's uh, political correspondent, Laura Kussenberg. Um, mm-hmm. She said, it's an offer, not a binding, revel- not a blinding revelation. She said, it's like a limited flash of an ankle to her continental counterparts. Ooh la la. <laughs> what that's, a very- <laughs> that's a wonderfully eloquent way of putting it. It's pretty. It's it's a pretty weird image, and not one that I necessarily wanted to get into my head. So thanks, Laura. Thank oh, I, I, I'm I'm glad it's there. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> um, okay, moving on. Uh, moving Myanmar. They we haven't talked about them, but they've been having a fuck ton of problems recently. Mm-hmm. So nice, well timed drink there. 
Yeah, I was thinking that you're going to come in with more than just, uh-huh. Well, actually, the, the Skype call cut out a little bit, so I actually didn't. I, I, I was hoping that I could pick up what you said through context clues, but I didn't actually hear what you said. Oh, shit. Coughing Excellent up. content. Um, yeah, thanks. Okay, Myanmar, that's what I said. Oh, yes, 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 yes. A yes, country yes. formerly known as Burma. Yes. A country in Southeast Asia. Um to the east of Bangladesh mm-hmm. and to the west of countries that I can't remember, but probably Cambodia, Laos and Vietnam and those kind of places. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a British colony. Colony. Connolly. Connolly. <laughs> it was a British colony for quite a long time. Um, but then whenever the British got rid of most of their colonies after World War II, Burma, it was called Burma back then. It got independence. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, they were hoping it would turn into a nice, happy democracy. It didn't. It pretty quickly became a military dictatorship. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that's been causing some problems with people that would prefer it to be a democracy. And one of the leaders of the movement is uh, Aung San Suu Kyi. So she has been very, very famous um, throughout the Western world because she's a very eloquent speaker. Um, she was the leader of like a uh, non-violent resistant movements to the to the military regime there. Mm-hmm. And she's been involved in the democracy party there. She's also in Burma, in Myanmar, as it's called now. Um, she, it's actually going to be confusing because for all of my life, it was Burma. Mm-hmm. But then a couple of years ago, it, it suddenly started being referred to as Myanmar. And Myanmar is like the the politically correct way of referring to it. Yes, I actually looked it up because I wanted to figure it out. So I assume that it's like um, Zanzibar used to be called Rhodesia. But whenever Mm -hmm. um, um, basically the African people took over and forced the whites out, they renamed it to Zimbabwe because it's more appropriate name than Rhodesia for Mm -hmm. whatever historical reasons. Same thing in in Myanmar. So I think I was looking it up trying to figure it out. Um, Burma was like the name of the main ethnic people of Myanmar. Right. So that was why the British called it Burma, but, or like something similar to that. And then in order to try and recognize the the ethnic diversity in the country, they renamed it to Myanmar, which I think Mm -hmm. is more like appropriate in their own language. They did that back in 89 though. Right. But we've only, we've only actually recently started calling it Myanmar. And I think the reason is, is that the military dictatorship were the ones that made this change back in 89 and the international world were like, we don't recognize your right to do that because you just did it without asking your people. Mm-hmm. But since they've democratized in recent years, people are like, oh, okay, if the democ- if the democratic people are calling it Myanmar, then the rest of the world should call it Myanmar as well. Ah, uh, okay. Which okay. is pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, um, it like, is. And, and it kind of just happened. Like there wasn't a, a grand announcement on the 6-1 news saying, okay, now you have to call Burma Myanmar. It kind of just happened. Yeah. So anyway, um, Aung San Suu Kyi, she is the daughter of one of the founding fathers of independent Myanmar. Mm-hmm. And I, actually, I couldn't really figure out. I think he may have like tried to bring it to democracy, but got killed or forced out by the dictatorship. And mm-hmm. she kind of took up his mantle. Mm-hmm. And she was elected um, to like power in the 80s. But then the military dictatorship said, actually, we don't recognize this election result that we wanted to happen. We changed our mind because we lost. So instead, we're going to not recognize it and, and double down on our authority on the country. So she was placed under house arrest. Oh. And uh, rather than calling for an uprising, which would have eventually led to a civil war, no doubt, and caused a lot of pain and suffering. Yeah. She instead said, OK, we're going to do the Gandhi-esque thing and we're going to be peaceful about it and just protest um, without violence. Nice, nice. And the international world was like, yep, yeah, that's a pretty decent way to do it. That's that's yeah. what, that's a, that's a good way for you and your people. And she got awarded a Nobel Peace Prize in 1991. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the problem is, is that so that went on and she became famous. She eventually was allowed to get out of house arrest. So she was able to travel the world. She gave speeches. Eventually, the military dictatorship in Burma decided to back down on being such a bunch of bastards and started to open up their country and make it more democratic. She got elected to the leader of oh, she, she's the, she's called the first councillor of Myanmar, which is a complicated way of being the leader. Mm-hmm. But she's still not actually the leader. She and she's always referred to as the de facto leader because they basically have like um, an understanding between the people who want democracy and the military, the military leaders who are still there, and they're kind of governing through an agreement not to fuck each other over, basically. Right, and that's how it's been going for the last couple of years. It's not; there wasn't like a proper transition. They're yeah. basically the military dictatorship is allowing democracy to happen, which is a convoluted thing to get around in your that head. That sounds very anti-democratic. <laughs> It is, but at the same time, the results are technically still the same. So eventually they they will drift away and it probably will become a proper democracy. Okay. But unfortunately, so it, the country is largely Buddhist, I think like 95% or something like that. But they do have quite a lot of um, like ethnic minority groups who are Muslim. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the two communities do not get on very well. So in a region called um, Rakhine up in the north of Myanmar on the border with Bangladesh, it's actually largely Muslim. Um, there are people there are called the Rohingya mm-hmm. and they have been getting the crap beaten out of them for the last couple of months. Um, there has, there's always like, they're actually, they're not even recognized as citizens of Myanmar um, wow. The government says that they are drifters with no right to be there. So, but they still live there. So they're like second class citizens. They don't have yeah. access to proper health care or education. And there are some movements to try and get uh, more recognition. And unfortunately, some of them are violent. Mm-hmm. So a couple of months ago, um, a police station or an army barracks was raided and a couple of soldiers were killed. And in response to that now, the the Myanmar military have been like clamping down with gusto and thousands of people have been killed. Um, Hundreds of thousands are fleeing their homes and it's just constant, constant devastation going on in the region there for those people. And all through that, the Nobel Peace Prize winner has been staying silent. Yeah, I was going to say, so she she is the face of the, uh, uh, sorry, her name's Aung San Suu Kyi. Aung San Suu Kyi, yeah. Aung San Suu Kyi. This seems very against her own ideology. Yeah, well, I mean, she even spoke to it in her in her um, in her peace prize um, acceptance speech, which actually I don't think she gave herself because she was under house arrest. So I think her mm. kid, her daughter, um, gave the speech on her behalf. Um, she actually said, like, we have we recognize that our country is built up with all these different identities, and we'll do our best to help them. But now mm-hmm. that she's in power, she absolutely is not. She is refusing to criticize what the military is doing, and it people are like, whoa, that's um, what the hell is the point of the Nobel Peace Prize? Well, that's going on. Yeah. So we probably should get into... What I'm Nobel Peace Prize, Steve. Ah, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so the Nobel Peace Prize is one of the six Nobel Prizes given by the Nobel Institute. Um, like, I mean, everyone will have heard of the Nobel Peace Prize. It's been going on for feckin' ages, pretty much yeah. since I think 1900 was probably the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, so this dude, Alfred Nobel, he was a Swedish inventor, industrialist back in the late 19th century. Mm-hmm. Um, he invented dynamites and loads of other stuff like that and made a whole load of money. And he didn't have any wife or children. And he, people were like, oh, I wonder what he's going to do with all his riches when he passes away. Mm-hmm. So he actually woke up one morning, opened the newspaper and seen his own obituary in the newspaper. What? And uh, it said, 
Oh, Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite, merchant of death, has died. <laughs> Whoa! And he was pretty hurt by this. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Whatever He's about like, uh, reading your own obituary, that's one thing. But yeah. having a scathing obituary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, oh. <laughs> it's like it's like he opens it up and there's like a Rotten Tomato score for his life. <laughs> <laughs> and it's rotten. And it's, it's, it's rotten. certified rotten. <laughs> yeah, imagine that, an obituary that ends with like a 14%. <laughs> 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 So yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. He wasn't happy. Yeah. So what happened then is that a couple of years later, he did actually pass away. And when people opened up his will, um, to treat to like everyone's like, oh, what's he going to do with all his money? People were suddenly surprised to find out that he had written out a plan in his in his wishes to create an institute that will award um, prizes in a couple of different fields to people who have made great achievements in the betterment of humanity in the year before. Oh wow! Called the Nobel Institute, and the back when he did it, it was uh, physiology or medicine, which you basically call biology, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which actually, we're not going to talk. the The scientific prizes are pretty contentious as well, but I don't nearly have enough time or expertise to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So let's just say medicine, physics, chemistry, literature, and peace were the original ones, mm-hmm. and then a couple of years later, um, someone threw in economic sciences, which isn't an official Nobel Peace Nobel Prize, but it is actually administered by the same people. Okay. Um, so people, yeah, they all make sense. Like these are awards for people who are doing great things in those kind of fields and let's give them recognition. So for medicine, physics, chemistry, economics and literature, people turn up in Sweden and they get a prize and they get a nice ceremony and all that. But for some reason, um, Nobel specified that he didn't want the Peace Prize given by Sweden. He wanted it to be given by Norway in Oslo okay. by uh, five people chosen by the Norwegian parliament. So at the time, Norway and Sweden were in a union because it's people aren't really aware, but Sweden used to be one of the biggest badasses of the European world. Really? They used to conquer and, and kick the shit out of everybody in like big imperialistic warmongering bastard style. <laughs> <laughs> Like, they were proper invaders of pretty much anyone that wanted. They were like, come at me! And then they would fucking go in there and kick their ass. So they owned Norway at the time. Um, but Norway had gotten some, like, they had, they had their own parliament, they had their own king, but they were still in the union with Sweden. And I think what people, it wasn't actually specified, so you're not really sure what his intention was. But people thought that maybe he didn't like the idea of Sweden giving the peace prize because they were such warmongers. Uh, and, and he was like, no, the Norwegians are better off to do that. Or Which, could it have just been like a seen as a symbolic olive branch to be extended to a formerly wronged nation? Could have been. Again, yeah. you can make whatever speculation you want because he didn't specify. But right. if it is, if it is, the, if it is the former, if it is because he thinks they're more peaceful, that's a pretty narrow worldview. Because as people <laughs> in Ireland, you have to remember the Norwegians are fucking Vikings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I think my name Nolan comes from uh, Norwegian Vikings who came over and decided to stick around after doing all their pillaging. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Dublin was founded as a slave city by the Vikings, so mm-hmm. we have that going for them. They have that mm-hmm. going for them. Uh, yeah, but I say we as well because most Irish people are essentially have Scandinavian descent because the Vikings did come here and, and start riding around the place whenever they were done pillaging. <laughs> so he specified that he wanted the Peace Prize to be given to people who have done the most or the best work for fraternity between nations, for the abolition or reduction of standing armies and for the holding and promotion of peace congresses. Mm-hmm. So that would kind of be like basically people that were trying to reduce war back in the day. So that was like old fashioned war. He was like, whoever stops armies being as big and stop blowing each other up as often should be given prizes every year. Right. And the prize is a gold medal. Um, what is now the equivalent of a million dollars. 
and a lovely day where they get to make a speech in front of the Norwegian king in Oslo City Hall on the 10th of December, which is the anniversary of Nobel's death. It is decided, like I said, by five people who were chosen by the Norwegian parliament. But um, there's like he specified that people who are members of national parliaments, members of religious groups or professors in the relative fields have the right to nominate people. Okay. So not like you can't just decide that um, you're your mother deserves a Nobel Peace Prize and nominate her oh. tomorrow unless you were a member of parliament. A member so all of, of those letters I've been writing to, to the Norwegian government saying that Mammy Nolan deserves a Nobel Peace Prize, those have fallen on deaf ears. Well, number one, yes, because you're not meant to write it to the government. You're meant to write it to the Nobel Committee, which is chosen by the government. Jeez, now you Richie. tell me. I told you before. <laughs> I just told you before. <laughs> okay, well, I've been doing this for 19 years. I just write on an envelope, government, no, colon, Norway, and I just send it off. And there's, this, there's a sticky note inside that says Mammy Nolan. <laughs> well, she might get it one day. Who knows? Fingers crossed. So, yeah, and they they have a secret whittling down process where they cl- they collect like a short list. And then from that short list, they, they pick one either. I think it is it can go to one person or organization, but it can also be shared by up to three people or organizations. So sometimes if two people or groups have done a load of things for peace the year before, they will award it. And one third of the prizes have been given to more than one person or cause. They announce it actually, luckily enough, they announce it, uh, I think, uh, the 7th of October, which uh, is coming up pretty soon. And that wasn't that like it does tie into having this documentary, this this podcast being pretty relevant. Yay. That wasn't my intent. That wasn't my intention at all. <laughs> oh, we, we, are, we are really bad at being relevant. Yeah, but we did it by accident. It's great. Yay. Yeah, because remember last time, well, actually, the probably the most uh, infamous example is our 4th of July episode being a, a episode about Russia. And that was purely down to poor timing and not actually us trying to be satirical in any manner. Yes. And yet we still succeeded because we're so hilarious. We're so, we make it work. <laughs> um, you can't get the award if you're dead. That's another thing. Oh. So you can't, you can't be awarded posthumously. Okay. So... I have a question and let me know if this is a good time or if you want to save it for the end. No, go ahead. Okay, so... Uh, if you are, because it's kind of related to what we were talking about earlier, uh, you're given a Nobel Peace Prize. If Can that be taking off you at any point? Uh-huh. So, we will, like, we'll, we'll come back to that. We will come back to that. We'll go to the nice parts, then we'll get to the controversies. Okay, okay. So they've been giving this to people since like 19 or whatever. And uh, there have been 126 awards. Um, 23 organizations have won. 87 men have won. And 16 women have won. Whoa. Nominations remain secret for 50 years. So you don't get to find out who nominated who for 50 years afterwards. And sometimes it can get up to like 300 nominations per year now. It used to only be like about 20 or 30. Now mm-hmm. it's up to fucking 300. So it's pretty damn complicated. Yeah. Um. So we'll go through a couple of notable winners. Um, you're called the Nobel Laureate if you win from the old, uh, I think it's Roman, like when you put laurels on your head to try and celebrate somebody. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're called laurels. They don't actually put bits of grass on anybody's head anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> well, if you're allergic, that'd be hilarious. Yeah, you're just like, uh, do you like to give this speech to... <laughs> <laughs> So uh, three U.S. presidents have won the awards. Um, Teddy Roosevelt won back near the start because he brokered a peace deal between Japan and Russia to stop them from fighting uh, when he was president. Woodrow Wilson got it because he helped create the League of Nations after World War One, and people thought he should be given an award on that. Mm-hmm. And controversially, Barack Obama won it a couple of days after he was elected the US president. Right, and what was the rationale behind him getting it? No one knows. They don't have to explain their rationale, really. <laughs> they just really? said that he, he, he was helping to bring people together. And, like, I, I actually went to a talk 
um, given by one of Obama's speechwriters, and he was talking about uh, writing the speech on the way to collect the the award and mm-hmm. they were just constantly saying like why did these assholes give us this award really only, yeah because like it didn't make any sense he, he was going to be president of the United States for at least four years the president of the United States in today's times always does things that are massively contentious yeah. for the kind of people that like these kind of awards so yeah. yes Barack Obama came into power he did a lot of things that were not peaceful you should yeah. not have given him an award at the very start right so that's a controversial one but Positive ones. Uh, Desmond Tutu won in the 80s. Uh, he is a cardinal down in, archbishop or cardinal, can't remember, down in uh, South Africa. Mm-hmm. And he was working in the 80s to try and bring down apartheid peacefully. Um, Nelson Mandela and Frederick Wilhelm de Glerth, who is from the white side, he they got the award together um, because they were the guys who actually in the early 90s took down um, apartheid and helped to try it peacefully at the time. Mm-hmm. Um Jody Williams and the International Campaign to Ban Landmines won it in 97. Uh, can you guess what for? For banning landmines? Yes. <laughs> Nailed <simple>. it. <laughs> uh, in 90, a couple of, there's been a couple of awards since the 60s and the 70s and up until the 90s for people in the Northern Ireland conflict, actually, which I didn't realise. I knew that oh, John, nice. John Hume and David Trimble, um, there are two sides of, of the Northern Ireland uh, dispute. They won it in 98 for the Good Friday Agreement. But back in the 70s, um, there were two women who won it for a peace movements that they were organising to try and stop people from fighting. Unfortunately, I forgot to write down their names, which is pretty terrible to me. But like that was pretty impressive. I will impressive. add it to the show notes. So if you do want to yeah. read further on it, it'll be in the show notes. They, I, I do. I, I know the name of the lady. She's from Derry. Her, I think her, her nephew and her sister and maybe a couple of other of her nieces and nephews were killed in the 70s in the conflict. And she basically, she was only a normal lady. I, for the life of me, I can't remember her name, but she was only a normal person who suddenly decided that enough was enough and started giving mass movement speeches across Northern Ireland to try and get people to stop from killing each other because mm-hmm. she was just so disgusted by it and mm-hmm. she was one of the people who won the award um, Martin Luther King uh, he got nominated by the Quakers back in the US who people only found out about 50 years later when they were quite surprised because he was a campaigner for civil rights in the United States for African Americans mm-hmm. and the Quakers actually weren't that pro uh, civil rights it openly low. oh shit <laughs> what was that oh it's my fucking speaker hang on <laughs> Was that Pelini about 5,000 again? Yeah. You shouldn't have sent her over with the microphone. She's been threatening me the whole time. You know she's got legs now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I gave them to her. Um, Jane Adams, she was the first uh, woman to win the prize back in the 10s or 20s. And she is essentially the founder of social work in the United States. Really? She she pushed the... Because the US government has been very, very hands-off for so long. They were like, no, 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 we're not going to help people. It's up to people to help people. And she's like, you are people, you're the damn government. She got the money and the resources. Let's fucking help some people. So mm-hmm. she was nominated 91 times before she finally won the award. 91 times. Yeah. But that's 91 different people. So she could have got like 30 or 40 nominations in a year before she actually right. won it. Okay. But yeah, still, it's a fuck ton. And then eventually she did get it and she was the first woman to win it. Or at least the first American woman. But anyway, so you could say that like in the 90s when all these dudes were, were winning it for different like famous peace deals throughout the, the world, that was kind of like the high point of the awards because after the Cold War, people were like oh yes it's going to be like a liberal utopia we've got peace and prosperity for all it's going to be great and the the like the nobel peace prize was like like they were given it to people in palestine and israel they were given to people in northern ireland they were given to people in south africa it was like oh yeah this is how we award the goody two-shoes who are fixing like the smaller problems going on in the world because the big problem is finally resolved but of course Mm -hmm. as we know 
in the 20 years since then that has not been true and the world is still very fucked up and violent and, and wrong and not only that but people have been getting a lot more skeptical about things like Nobel Peace Prizes because you know what good are they actually doing to the world when you're giving these awards and yet the world still remains fucked up so there's been quite a lot of controversy um, in to- 2012 the EU won the EU as an organisation yeah. won it so I mean there could be an argument for it winning it um, like Essentially, it has been part of the reason why the European countries stopped blowing each other up after World War II. Mm-hmm. But there's all other reasons for that happening as well, like the fact that they, they had to join together to fight against the Soviet Union and then the Americans have been sitting on top of them, stopped them from fighting. So, but yeah, okay, fine, give it to it then. But people were also like, yeah, but you're probably just giving it to in 2012 because it's essentially on the verge of collapse and you just want to uh, give them a crutch to stand on. Yeah. In 73... um. Henry Kissinger won it and he is a bad, bad man who was the Secretary of State in the US for quite a long time. He was involved in so many illegal and destructive covert operations and illegal wars by the US at that time that he should not have gotten it. In fact, people think he should be tried for war crimes rather than actually getting it. That seems like the opposite of a Nobel Peace Prize. Precisely. And yet he won it. Um, There's also, they're famous for notable notable omissions. So Gandhi never won a Peace Prize. (laughs) Yeah, like that, one of the most famous peace proponents in the world didn't win yeah. it. And they actually established a model for a peaceful protest. They realized that they fucked up so badly so soon that in 48, the year that he died, they actually didn't give an award. And people were like, oh, because they can't give it posthumously. So this right. is like their way of saying, OK, this is the award that we should have given him even the fucking year before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know, Glads, if it effectively a nod of the cap is going to make up for omitting him entirely. Yeah. So whereas recently they have been giving awards to people who aren't just um, old white men, um, they they have a bad history of of ignoring the people who don't have fit that identity. So Eleanor Roosevelt, who was the wife of uh, FDR, the president in World War Two, she was actually a huge organizer for peace in her own right. After her 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 husband passed away, she was massively involved in setting up the UN, mm-hmm. and she essentially forced the countries to adopt the uh, the UN Charter of Human Rights, which, you know, she, like, individually as a power in her own, she was, like, severely impressive and should have won it, but she didn't. Um, another guy was called Uthant. He was a Burmese at the time, Myanmar is now, um, Secretary General of the UN, who facilitated the Cuban Missile Crisis talks and stopped these two massive nuclear powers from blowing each other up. Yeah. He, he didn't get a peace prize for some reason. Christ, by all metrics, that sounds like the, the boilerplate for <laughs> yeah, exactly. someone who should win a Nobel Peace Prize. I know. So there's all sorts of examples where they've missed. And then the other controversial thing is that when people like Aung San Suu Kyi get it, and then a couple of years, well, two decades later, it turned out to be not as peaceful as people had hoped. Mm-hmm. So... The, the question is now, there's a huge debate over whether the Nobel uh, Committee should do something to to rescind it or to make a statement or something like that. They, I think they yeah. have made statements to say she won it for being peaceful and she's not hold, she's not standing up to it now. But I, they're not, I don't think they're actually going to consider taking it off someone because she got awarded it for what she did, not for what she was going to do. Right. But just say, okay, so, so she's being somewhat passive at the moment, but just say she was more... Like, just say there was a situation where there's a Nobel Peace Prize winner who more actively engaged in the kind of opposite ideology to what the the, the Peace Prize represents. Well, so I, just wouldn't, say, I wouldn't let her off the hook by saying she's being passive because that implies that, like, it's happening while she doesn't have any power. She she could 
stop them. I mean, I don't want to make an assumption again on her behalf that she wants this to happen, but to all indicators is, is that she doesn't seem to have a problem with these people being murdered and displaced. Right. So I wouldn't say it's passive necessarily just because she's not the one that's shooting people. She is still the leader of her country. So she definitely has something to do with it. But anyway, sorry, go on. I'm just wondering, like, is there is there something someone can do? It's it's very clearly you are doing something that is not befitting of a Nobel Peace Prize winner. And could that would that then be enough of a justification to take it off them? Like, um, just say I, uh, <laughs> I, I, t- I take Kim Jong-un out for a couple of pints and we, we get talking, like really, really talking. And we have a nice cathartic talk. He has a bit of a cry, explains his daddy issues. Wait, and, so you're uh, just saying what if you're James Franco from the interview? Basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, we get him to uh, get him to admit he's just been looking for attention, and uh, the next day we go to a centre, get a breakfast roll, and he agrees to just like calm down a bit, and then I get a Nobel did he, Peace did Prize sleep, for did that. Did he sleep on your couch the night before as well? Like, he did, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, he did. He, yeah. he passed out, and you like tucked him up and stuff. I tucked him up, yeah. yeah you, left just, a bu- you left a bucket on the floor just in case he needed to puke. Of course, and he yeah. filled it up. Oh. Um, <laughs> And all the North Korea problem goes away, like, uh, 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 and I get a Nobel Peace Prize for that. Uh, one year later, I go into Dublin Zoo and I drop kick a baby penguin or something. <laughs> like, you, you know, you start doing something. Like, is there, uh, uh, do you think there's a precedent at any point for it being taken away if you radically, the pendulum swings the opposite um, direction? Personally, I don't think so. Um, there will basically be no end to revoking. So you have to give it to people based on what they do. Right. What they've done, what they've done, like, and what they're doing at the time. So at that time, Aung San Suu Kyi was a peace campaigner. She was doing so much good in her country. It's impossible to constantly review these these awards and say, okay, this person isn't a dick now. We have to take it away because it, it, it would it would devalue the award that was given at the time. Yeah. And... Not I guess that. it would also devalue the actual very good efforts that were made at the time. Exactly. So, the, like, I mean, whereas she she won it because she was a representation of this movement, there were people involved who basically were they were they were being recognised through her as well. And so, yeah. whereas they not they might not be bastards these days, by taking the award away from her, you're you're going to diminish their move their their work as well. It, but the whole the whole point is is that like. If you win, if you win an Oscar for best acting, you're going to win it for the movie that you did it in. Yeah. That, oh, that's, if you if you go and principle. make a shitty movie, then you're yeah, not you're gonna, not going to yeah. get it. Take, I mean, otherwise, Robert De Niro would lose all his awards. Oh yeah, for for, 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 for Meet the Fockers too, whatever and, it was called, and Bad Grandpa. I, oh, I don't. Bad Grandpa. You, yeah. Have you seen? Is it called Bad Grandpa? Something like that. No, Bad Grandpa is the one with Johnny Knoxville dressed up as a grandpa. That's the Jackass movie. Oh wait, what's the one that he was in? Oh, I don't dirty, know. Dirty, dirty. Daddy, no, that's... <laughs> uh, hold on, this is going to drive me mad. I need to look this up. Robert um, De Niro, bad movie. Come on, Google. There are too many results to display. Yeah, it's, dirt, it's Dirty Grandpa, not Dirty Dad. <laughs> dirty dirty Dad. Dirty Dad is a very, very different movie. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, I don't think that you should go rescinding. I mean, obviously, other people may disagree. They think that like the whole the fact that it would give the, the it would give the committee some some leeway over over keeping people in line and stop them from being bastards if they if they could have the threat of the award being taken away. Right. But I just think you'd be opening a whole can of worms that would just never end the controversies. So when they gave it to Henry Kissinger in seventy three, people knew he was a bastard at the time. He should not have been given that award. He like he had ordered the illegal bombing of Cambodia during the Vietnam War five years before that. Jesus and, Christ! Yeah, I'd he, love like, to know what was going on there. 
I don't know, like he he was helping to broker the peace in Vietnam at the time. Maybe they thought it would help give it a boost or something like that. Like these are all the different factors that they that they come up with. They, and they don't ha- necessarily have to justify it beyond a line. Mm-hmm. So you're never really sure what these five people are deciding. Um, people are also saying that, well, maybe if this organization is a whole load of uh, Norwegians deciding on behalf of the whole world, if they have their award, should maybe someone else like the UN start their own award that it would be more diverse and including. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't necessarily think that there's any point in that either because, I mean, you know, just set up your own award. You don't have to take it away from the Nobel Peace Prize. It is still what it is. And, mm-hmm. I mean, they are, they are getting so much better at giving it to people who deserve it apart from just old white guys with mustaches how it used to be back in the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, they should give it to young women with mustaches. <laughs> exactly. So... We'll just finish it off then by talking about the people who think are going to get it this year. Um, the 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 closest, like obviously it's going to be a total surprise next week because no one knows what's going on in the head of the five people who are deciding. But mm-hmm. people suspect that it's going to be the White Helmets um, from Syria. They're like an organization who have been helping to save people from the destruction going on there. And um, mm-hmm. there's a really good documentary about them on Netflix. What's um, it called? The White Helmets, I think. Oh, it's just called, okay, cool. I'll link that in the show notes. Uh, Pope Francis is another contender because he has a habit of telling people to stop killing each other. Mm-hmm. And and for some reason, Donald Trump is also a contender just because pe- I think it's just for clickbait articles more than anything else. Yeah. But who fucking knows? Who knows? Who do, these, I don't know. Yeah. These crazy predict. Norwegians, what are they going to do next? Get in yeah. their longships. Uh, <laughs> Come back to Ireland. Uh, I hope not. I'm still in Dublin. <laughs> Uh, Jesus, Donald Trump! Imagine if he got it. That would it be. would just be like a collective world shouting, "No, nope. no, <laughs> we're leaving, we're gone." Yeah. Um, is there so the white helmet? The, the who's the favorites? The white helmets are the favorites. The white helmets are the favorites. Okay, yeah. cool. And they they would be pretty deserving. They have been doing an awful lot of good work in somewhere that really desperately needs people like that to help them. Of course. So yeah, that would be a totally non-controversial and good. Uh, well, as far as I know, it could turn out that they're actually like, I don't know. Digimon fans as opposed to Pokemon fans or something terrible <gasps> like that. What? <laughs> Get the God, Digimon. What a ridiculous, ridiculous thing. So that's it. No one's playing Digimon Go. I want to. <laughs> that's terrible. Digimon is terrible. <laughs> uh, tweet at me if you think differently. I don't care. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll argue anybody. about this all day. Um, right. So that's it. That's what I'm the Nobel Peace Prize. It took nice. us quite a while to get there, but we got there. We did, yeah. Christ, <laughs> this will probably be a long one. Uh, fingers crossed Mammy Nolan gets the nod this year as well. So Yeah, yeah, we'll fingers see. crossed, yeah. yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, cool, so that's that. Uh, would you want to move on to what I'm keeping us saying? Yes, please. So, uh, you've already mentioned you're playing a lot of video games. I'm playing, yeah, Destiny 2 came out. And I'm not a huge video game guy, um, but every so often a, a game like the Breath, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild will come out and Destiny 2 is a more recent example of this uh, that I just throw myself into and I just play non-stop and I just get really, really into it and Destiny 2 has been that for me. Uh, I, it's 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 a big mainstream game. It's got like a huge budget behind it. Um, you probably saw the marketing for it. It was kind of everywhere. Yeah, um, but they it's have a, like famous actors in the ads. Yeah, Nathan Fillion is, is uh, uh, he's in the ads but he's also one of the main characters in the thing. Um, in the first cool. game, didn't they have Peter Dinklage, and then they, they, had, then they removed yes. his audio? Yes. So Why? this Why this was they... a this was a, a a famous 
thing that happened in the first game. So you have a little companion thing. It's a, it's a little like AI unit floating robot thing that flies around with you. And it's basically just an exposition device. Like your yeah. character doesn't really talk. So you have this floating thing that just describes the world around you and just feeds you plot lines and stuff like that. Uh, but in the first game, initially he was voiced by Peter Dinklage. I think because, you know, he, he was a big name at the time, you know, Game of Thrones and everything. And, uh, it, you know, there's a lot of overlap between the kind of nerdy people who watch Game of Thrones and the nerdy people who would be into this type of video game. So I guess the casting agents thought this would be a good fit. I guess what they didn't consider is that when you're doing voiceover stuff, you need to kind of ham it up a bit because you're not seeing a fate. Like Peter Dinklage is an incredible actor. Like he's an amazing actor capable of delivering wonderful lines. But I guess when you're just in a recording booth and you're just reading weird sci-fi lines without any sort of nothing to act against, like you're not seeing these aliens come at you. You're not like in this world yourself. You're just literally in a in a booth talking into a microphone. It's hard to get into it. And his lines were just really, really drab and flat. And uh. then you combine that with the ridiculous things he has to say. Um, it just made for like a terrible voiceover experience. And I'll actually cut in. Um, a line here <laughs> where he talks about there's literally a famous line where it's like something like that wizard came from the moon um, which within the <laughs> fiction of the game makes sense but like it's such a ridiculous sentence you need to deliver it with an equal amount of of kind of cartoonish projection in order to make it work because if you just very drably say it it's just going to sound like nothing like a- absolute drivel the hive haven't been on earth in centuries that wizard came from the moon. But sorry, that was that. But anyway, the new game, there was a lot of problems with the first game, but they've all kind of been fixed with the second one. It's stunning. It looks amazing. And it's just a really fun online game to play with, the, with your friends. With that in mind, there's like a mechanic in it where you can start a clan, which is just like a team of your friends and you can all join the clan. You have like a big banner associated with you. You can name your clan and you can do missions together. Uh, Jer Carney, friend of the show, has set up a clan for us. And if anyone listening plays Destiny and wants to join, the clan name is uh, Big Bag of Clans. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, which is a play on Big Bag of Cans, which is a whole other thing. I know American listeners probably won't get that joke. Uh, but yeah, can, I'll, cans I'll, of I'll, beer, cans of beer. Yeah, exactly. It's big bag of clans. I don't know if you can just search for that and join it. You probably can't. Uh, I'll include a link to my PSN in the show notes <laughs> if you want to just join us. Are you using the podcast to try and I'm, recruit soldiers for your online army? <laughs> I basically am. Yes, <laughs> because there's like 16 slots in it, and there's only three of us. <laughs> it's me, Jer, and Keen. And we'd like to get a bigger fire team together so we can take on some of the bigger missions. Like yeah, but yeah, big bag of clans, come join us. You uh, what's been keeping you sane, Steve? Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I really hope. What's what's the name of the guy? What's uh, oh yeah, Leroy Jenkins. I hope you get the equivalent of that joining now because you just like openly invited people to join your group on the internet. Okay, yeah. Um, so my one has been. It's it's nerdy, but in a different way. Uh, Ken Burns is my favorite documentary maker. Are you aware mm-hmm. of him? Yeah, uh, I am indeed. PBS uh, makes fucking great, great documentaries. If you're into slow, slideshow-esque, <laughs> boring shit. Yeah, it's not going to be like the, the kind of sleek... Yeah, exciting Netflix yeah, style no. documentary that's been um, or, very popular lately. Yeah, Discovery. Like, I mean, the History Channel basically does alien autopsies, and that's all like that kind of like really fast cuts and like flashy. Oh, yeah, 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 like lens flare all over the place. It's not like that. Um, I was watching 
the Civil War one back in the spring, rewatching it. I watched it like twice already. That was the third time. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife was like sometimes sitting there with me and she's like, why are you watching a PowerPoint presentation with voiceover? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, because it's fucking interesting. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched the Civil War. I was watching Prohibition. And at the moment I'm watching The War, which is about World War Two. It's fucking brilliant. Like, I mean, obviously I've been saturated with World War Two stuff my entire life. So there isn't that much I can learn about it now that I don't already know. But yeah. what he does is that like, he narrows down on the individual, like, normal, ordinary American experience during the war. And he like picks out four towns across the US to and like tells their experiences from people who are fighting and people back home. And it's just, it's so fascinating, so interesting. And he, at the moment, is releasing the Vietnam War, which is like an 18 hour series. I think it is eight episodes. He's releasing it one a night on PBS at the moment. And uh, that's going to be on the UK and Irish TVs next week. So I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to, to watching that as well. Because cool. I don't know as much about the Vietnam War, so I'm hoping to learn a bit about that. Yeah, well, so, learn a bunch from him and then we'll do an episode on it. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, very conveniently quickly after. <laughs> yeah, very, very quickly afterwards. Um, he also did a great one that's on Netflix in the UK and Ireland at the moment called The Roosevelt's, which is about Teddy Roosevelt, my favourite president, mm-hmm. uh, FDR, uh, the president in World War II, and mm-hmm. Eleanor Roosevelt, who we gave a shout out to at this episode. There are mm-hmm. three famous members of the same clan. So... Actually, Teddy Roosevelt had a niece who was Eleanor and Mm -hmm. there was another distant relative Roosevelt clan who were like fifth or sixth cousins and she married FDR from that clan. So it's kind of incest. Kind of. But like at the really... It's not like Game of Thrones level incest. No, that's the thing. It's like at the kind of distant European aristocracy level where, yeah, it's it's not too bad. It's not, (laughs) not great. I don't think their children were were malformed. No, is what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, so you can. So your choices this week are join Steve for watching his incest documentaries, or come <laughs> uh, play with a big bag of clans and shoot some aliens. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what's keeping us sane this week. Um, yeah. and you'll notice we're not very sane. <laughs> yeah, no. So we should find some other hobbies. We should indeed. We should indeed. Uh, we do a listener shout out. Yeah, let's give a shout out to you and uh, your awkwardly timed drinks. I know. Fucking hell. Stop talking so quickly. Um, I'm just imagining you in a foam dome, just constantly just swap. <laughs> I have a sh- when I'm not speaking, it's in my nose. <laughs> so we'll give a shout out to David Helian, who you can David follow Helian. on Twitter. Um, David Helian. Uh, mm-hmm. Helian is spelt he a lion. He a lion. He a lion. <laughs> Uh, David is a long time personal friend and a long time supporter of the podcast since we started up and we really yeah. appreciate Big all the, all the, the shout outs that he gives us online and we decided we'd give him one mm-hmm. um, he's a smart dude very left wing in his views so if you want mm-hmm. to follow him uh, he's in Germany at the moment so you might get some insights into the German elections but yeah. most of the stuff that he follows is kind of like socialist st- uh, stuff in the UK Ireland and the US yes. so have a have a give him a shout out have a look at him what's your favourite thing about Dave? Uh, my f- uh, my f- he actually my favorite- doesn't like being called Dave. <laughs> he doesn't. Well, that's uh, yeah. my favorite thing. I love calling him Dave. <laughs> uh, favorite thing about Dave, <laughs> David. Uh, you know that thing where if you're stu- you're stuck stranded in like a really cold climate and you're gonna die, and all you can do is like cut open whatever animal is next to you at the time and just crawl inside its innards. Yeah, all the time. Sure. Yeah, he he's the one who invented that. Uh, what yeah. animal? What animal was it first? Uh, it was um, a badger. 
Now, I know what you're thinking. Badges are quite small. <laughs> but he got a bunch of them. <laughs> the image. Oh, no. <laughs> and he just wore them like gloves and shoes and a hat. Oh, recently deceased, warm, still warm badgers all over his body. And naked, <laughs> naked body, we presume. Naked, yeah. It's like in you know, the movie uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's, was it, Bear Fight? Um yeah, that's uh, the movie. Leonardo DiCaprio's bear fight: colon, Let's fight some bears. Titanic. <laughs> Titanic. That's the one. Uh, yeah, it's like that, but with badgers. Uh, that's actually funny because uh, the image of him putting badgers all over himself. Because the thing that I love about him is that he's seven foot, seventeen foot tall. <laughs> that's a lot of badgers. That's a lot of badgers for this big, big man. So excellent. Did we get uh, any voice messages? Uh, we didn't. No. Oh. Oh. Come on, people. Come on, folks. You go to the website. Go to whatampolitics.com. There's a little machine there. You can give a, give a voice message. If you want to tell us that we were wrong about something, write about something. If you want to just say something funny, we'll put it on. Yeah. It's in the show notes as well. You can. Cl- it's super easy. You click on it and there's a little microphone button. It, it counts you down three to one. You leave a voice message. And we'll include you on the show. Uh, it's a nice way of get, getting involved. Um, that's, you know, a step above tweeting. But you can also tweet if you want to at whatampolitics on Twitter. We're also at Bottom Politics and Gmail and Facebook as well. So please get involved and tell a friend. We really do appreciate it. We say it every week. Every podcast says it every week, but there's a reason for that. And it's because podcasts live and die on word of mouth. And we really appreciate you telling a friend if there's a Richie in your life who could stand to be a little bit better informed, pass it on. You'd be doing him a favor, speaking from personal experience. If there's a Steve in your life who could do with listening to a crazy person mouth off about nonsense for ages well we got two of them (laughs) exactly Um, something for everyone it's a real family podcast also be sure to review us please on apple podcast we've been calling it itunes for a long time but it actually changes name some point uh, between then yeah i think they're trying to move away from the i branding and stuff are they? Like, yeah, it's like, if you know, it's like Apple Music, Apple Calendar, Apple Messages, that kind of thing. Uh, it's even with, it'll never happen with the iPhone because that's just too ingrained. Like, that's just a, yeah, that's just like a part of pop culture now, calling it the iPhone. But stuff like the Apple, it's the Apple Watch, not the iWatch. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, so I that's wa- like a iWatch thing. is kind of stupid. It, it, it would be stupid, but it's also, I think it's because they can't, they don't have ownership over i something. Like, uh, anyone can call anything an i whatever. Like, you see it with, all those third-party accessories and yeah, things yeah, are yeah. just like I whatever because it's you know it seems like a cool techie thing to do, but I think that's why they have ownership over the word Apple. But um, okay, well, anyway. you can tell I work in tech. <laughs> yeah, um, Apple Podcasts. Uh, please review us because that also helps get other people to hear about the show. Five um, stars, Richie, please, Richie. You need to say thank you. I need to say thank you to somebody. What? Who do I need to thank? The person that you always forget to thank. Oh, <laughs> and the, the, today is no different. Thank you, Supermarket Love, for the excellent, excellent theme music. Today I love is you so different much. because I I put it in the show notes and I also like dro- dro- dragged it out of you and you yeah, like totally blank. That was so. It's funny. like I don't like him. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no, I love him. I love him. Uh, I, he he's actually been a great help in my new podcast setup. I bought a bunch of new equipment and he he was very integral in in helping me pick out the right gear. Oh, cool. Yeah, so is that us? I think that's it. That's it. That was a long one. That was a very long one. Holy shit. Richie, it's uh, it's it's half 11 and I'm kind of drunk. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll just I'll just say see you. I'm going to go lie down for a while. <laughs> but don't you have to go to like a podcast festival thing? Yeah, I have to go to a podcast masterclass with like this uh, 
this 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 uh, UK Guardian working uh, like podcast expert and I'm gonna just be sitting there swaying smelling a beer <laughs> and be like, yeah of course I'm in fucking Ireland and this has showed up <laughs> yeah. well yeah good, good luck with that you absolute mess <laughs> see ya Richie see ya